And uh, of course, we want to welcome you this morning. We're so glad that you're here with us, whether you're joining us in person or online. Uh, today is a good start to a new series. And I, I was so blessed by last series that we've been going through, just talking about rising above. And I think it was very connected to where we are as a nation and where we are as a people. And I think those are important things. And I could have kept that series going on literally forever. But at some point, I feel like we have to move on and begin to see what God is doing a lot of other things in our lives. And this morning, I'm starting a new series called The Bridge to Freedom. The Bridge to Freedom. Now, one of the things we want to talk about this morning, and we're going to be using Ephesians chapter 2 as our lesson, as, a, as, as the main passage through the series. But we all know basically what bridges are for. If anyone knows, a Cape Codder should definitely know what a bridge is for, Right? We have bridges here on the Cape that take us from one side of the canal to the other. Those are, of course, the Bourne and the Sagamore bridges. But one of the things we know about bridges is that they are designed to take you across some kind of obstacle to your travel. Could be a channel or canal or a river or stream, a valley, a mountain. There could be a lot of different uses for bridges. Could even be a train, you know, a train track going through. And they take you, ultimately, from where you are to where you want to go, where you want to be. Without them, we'd be stuck on one side, or we'll find ourselves trying to find a much more difficult way to get around the obstacle or to get through it. You see, our faith can work the same way. We want to get from where we are today, maybe we can even call it pre-COVID, COVID. We want to get from where we are right now in this moment to where we would like to be. We know we're not there. I don't think any of us can say that we have arrived and have everything figured out and have everything perfectly squared away. We would like to change. We would like to grow. There are things in our lives, like COVID and like the things that we're going through, that stretch us and take us to places we've never been. So how do we continue to grow our faith in the midst of this? How do we continue to be stretched? How do we see what that bridge is to take us from where we are today to what we want to be? You see, there is so much in between where we want to be and where we are. What do we need? We need a bridge. We need a bridge to take us there in our faith. And in this series, as we're moving forward, the bridge of freedom or the bridge to freedom is grace. And I want to talk over the next several weeks about what grace is and not just what it is in defining it, but what it does in our lives. Because ultimately, I feel like if we continue, if we have a correct understanding of grace, it will take us further than where we'd want to go, than we, than we thought we could go. And it just may be the bridge. It just may be the key. It might just be the missing component in your life that's keeping you from that life of freedom. Now, there's a lot of confusion in terms of what grace is. To add to the confusion, there are other religions and other opinions about what grace is. And to start off this series, I first want to make a clear distinction between grace and religion. Grace and religion. They're not the same thing. Let's go through our, our theme verse this morning. We're going to read from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And this is Paul speaking to the Ephesian church. And he's telling them the type of people that they used to be before coming to him, before coming to Christ. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. It says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, 
You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Verse 3, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we are subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Can you just repeat that for a second? It is only by God's grace that I have been saved. Grace. It's undeserved favor. So when we sing a song like, this is amazing grace, or when we sing a song like, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That's what it's talking about. God's amazing grace in our lives, the way that it works. And we can't truly appreciate grace if we don't understand what it is and what it does in our lives. We're singing about God's favor in our lives. We're we're singing about the way that he brought us from where we were to where we are today. And it's priceless. It cannot be purchased. You cannot purchase grace. You can't go to Walmart and get it. You can't go to Target and get it. You can't even go to Amazon and buy grace there. One thing that Amazon can never sell. You can't do enough to earn it. You are just the person who gets the benefit from it. You are just the person that receives the gift. So it is both undeserved and it's a gift. Now the Greek word for grace is charis. It means gift, grace or pardon. We get the words charisma from this Greek word. We get the word charismatic from this word. Now, Pastor Robert Morris shared the story of a young couple that wanted to name their, their daughter Charis. Thought it was a great name. I want to name my daughter Grace, or another word for that could be gift, if you look at that word. However, he pointed out that their last name was Maddox. Not sure that charismatics is quite what they had in, in store for her name. I'm not sure if that's what they quite had in mind. If you didn't get that now, you'll get it later. It's okay, you can listen back. <laughs> you see, we used to live in sin. By God's grace, we are saved. Kind of liken this to Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, book by Robert Louis Stevenson. You see, because though we have been forgiven and we're believers in Christ, we can still find ourselves fighting our own selfish desires. There's kind of two people within us trying to fight it out. We can become something different than what we want to be. On one side of us, we want to do the right thing, and on the other side, we want to do what we want to do. Going back to the bridge for a minute, it creates this big divide from being where we are to where we want to be. You see, there's no religion outside of Christianity that has an answer for this. Eastern religions will say salvation is found in yourself. Just look deeper within and you'll find your salvation. Others are based on works. When you think about the Islamic faith, 
You simply stand before Allah and hope that your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. There's no way of knowing whether you'll be saved or not until that day. All other major faiths have founders who are teachers that show the way to salvation. But only Jesus claimed that he is the way to salvation. So religion pushes a salvation that's based on efforts. But the gospel teaches that we are saved not by our works or not by our own merits, but by grace. And even if we are good and really good, and we know or we know that we're bad or we're really bad, we have these two, Jekyll and Hyde, fighting within us. The good and the bad battle within us. Tim Keller wrote this book called The Reason for God. Definitely recommend reading it. It's a great book about defending your faith, but more specifically about how there is good reason for us to believe in God. This is what he says. He says, sin and evil are self-centeredness and pride that leads to oppression against others. But there are two forms of this. One form is being very bad and breaking all the rules, and the other form is being very good and being self-righteous. There are two ways to be your own Savior and Lord. The first way is by saying, I'm going to live life the way that I want. The second is that you're avoiding sin and living morally so that God will have to bless you. God will have to bless you. He will have to save you. Then, ironically, you may be looking to Jesus as a teacher, a model, a helper, but you are avoiding him as Savior. You're trusting in your own goodness rather than Jesus for your standing with God. You are religious without the power to save. So whether you, you're really good and you're self-righteous, or whether you're really bad, either way, your own Savior is yourself and the way that you live. See, one side of the bridge, you'll see religion. The other side, you'll see freedom. You'll see a genuine faith, not based on certain rules or expectations. So how does an understanding of grace change all of that? How is Christianity different than those other faiths that teach these other things? There's a great gulf in our understanding of what grace is. That God accepts us because of our efforts is what one side of the, the table would say, and the other one says that he just accepts us and we can do whatever we want. Religion says, I obey, therefore I am accepted by God. Grace says, I am accepted by God, and through what Christ has done, therefore I obey. I obey because I've been accepted. Now the interesting thing about this is there may be two people sitting in the same pew. And these people are living their lives on two different principles. They both pray. They both give generously. They're loyal to their families and church. But they're trying to live decent lives. They think they can earn it. See, but the motivations are very different. In religion, we try to obey out of fear. Fear that we may lose God's blessing in this world and the next. Some of you who are maybe my age and maybe even those before that, I know there's been other movies and things done on this, but you think about the end times, the Left Behind series. Anybody ever heard of it? 
lot of, lot of fear that came from that from some people, right? I was always fearful of Christ coming back and somehow messing up that day and missing the boat, missing the rapture. There's always that fear. But is that true Christianity? Is it out of fear that we serve God? Do we obey out of fear? No, that's religion. Grace says we obey out of gratitude for the blessing we have already received in Christ Jesus. It's being thankful for what he has already done, and because of that we obey. It's not obey out of fear or obey because we're, we're waiting for that hammer to come down if we mess up along the way. Now these two people, whether you're religious or whether you're a person of grace, it all often shows in how you treat other people, specifically other people who do not share your beliefs. The religious define themselves by pointing to those who do not believe what they believe. They bolster their sense of worth simply by devaluing other people, other races, other beliefs, other traits. But grace, if it's understood and practiced correctly, humbles us because we know that we could never save ourselves by our own effort. What does that say to us? We are not better than anyone else. There's a passage, our youth group used to be in, in Worcester. Our first name that we had was called Submission. And we based that on James 4, 6, and 7. I'd make the students stand up every, every uh, Thursday night and say this, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We talk about that humility. See, when we understand God's grace and we're truly living in it, we understand that we are not better than anybody else. We have been saved by grace. It is not through our own effort or the things that we've done that we've been saved. So this means that we cannot despise those who do not believe as we do. We pray for them. We hope that they can believe things that are true in God's word. But we can't despise them. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9 says this says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. See, what Paul is saying here is that we can do nothing to achieve our salvation. And this was the realization that drove a man named Martin Luther to break away from the Catholic Church. Because he believed that we are saved by grace through faith, not by our works. Not by purchasing indulgences or giving a certain amount of money or doing so many Hail Marys. We're not saved by those things. We're not saved by an act. We're not saved by our works. We cannot take credit for our own salvation. None of us here in this room can say, I'm saved because I am good enough to be saved. I've done enough things to be saved. I'm a basically good person. We can't boast about it and feel pride for our accomplishment. And we also cannot see ourselves as better than others. You see, this is not an option when you recognize that you are saved by grace. Now, there's an interesting paradox in all of this where we talk about this bridge to freedom being grace. As Americans, freedom is often incorrectly defined by being able to do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it. How many of us know that's not truly the case? 
Why? Because it means we make decisions and we are in control. But that is not true freedom as defined by the Bible. The most liberating act of free, unconditional grace demands that we give up control of our lives. It is only when we give up control that we experience true freedom. That's the paradox. We think we have freedom when we're keeping control and we're doing what we want and we're saying what we want. But that's not true biblical freedom. True biblical freedom is giving our lives and laying it down and giving up control to God. It is only when we lay down our life, recognizing God's grace at work in our lives, that gives us something we don't deserve, and that gave us something that we cannot work for, that we find true freedom. So how does giving up control lead to freedom? In reality, we are all living for something. We are controlled by it. It is the true Lord of our lives. Even people who claim to be atheists are living for something, and there's something in their lives that they worship. They may not go to church. They may not go to a place of worship, but there's something that they've placed as the priority of their lives, and that has become their God. We're all living for something, and if it's not God, that something that we're living for will endlessly oppress us. It will become that addiction. It will become that struggle. It will become that all-encompassing thing that we always want and go after. It is only grace that frees us from the slavery of ourselves, that frees us from the gods that we serve. You see, the gospel of grace makes it possible to live a radically different Christian life. But followers of Christ often fail to make use of the resources available to us, and we live our lives really subpar to what God has planned for us. Now, over the next several weeks, we're going to continue to learn what grace is, and more importantly, what grace does in each one of our lives. How does it work, and how does it become that bridge to freedom? How does it take us from where we want to be, from where we are to where we want to be? Today's first lesson, if you take away nothing else from this morning, grace is not earned. You cannot do enough to achieve it. You cannot be saved simply by being religious and following a certain set of standards, rules, or guidelines. It's a work of grace in our lives. And I can tell you, every one of us here in this room every one of you watching online, we are all in need of God's grace. Every moment of our lives, we need his grace. We could all use a reminder about God's grace and his work in us. Why? Because we can't boast about it. It has been given. It's a gift. There may be someone here that would say that you have never experienced God's grace at work in your life. Or possibly watching this morning on, on video. Maybe you thought you were just good enough. You thought, man, I'm basically a good person. I'm okay. I try to do the right things. Maybe you thought, I've kept the rules. I've not done any of the big, you know, the big Ten Commandments. I've not murdered anybody, not cheated on my wife. But you see, you can't earn it. It goes back to that. Those things cannot save you. 
because you cannot do enough to purchase it. But I'm here to share with you this morning that has already been purchased through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross in his resurrection. He became the sacrifice for our sin so that our sin can be cleansed, our sin can be forgiven, and we can live under that grace that he gives us. Salvation is by grace through faith. That's belief. And the Bible narrows it down. It doesn't say there's a lot of different ways there. It narrows it down and says there is one way to salvation, and it's not in a religion. It's not in a church. It's not in a religious leader. There's one way to salvation. It's through Jesus Christ alone. It's not through a specific philosophy. It's in a person. In Jesus Christ, we find our salvation. You can put your faith, your trust in him today, and you can cross that bridge to freedom. Can we all just bow our heads this morning in prayer? If today you would say to me, Pastor John, I want to accept this grace you're talking about. I've never experienced it. I don't even understand when I sing the song. I've heard the song Amazing Grace. I don't get it. But this morning, I'm willing to take a step. This morning, I'm willing to give my life to Jesus. I'm willing to lay it down, to surrender it. If that's you this morning, that's all you have to do is say this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my every sin that I've committed. I accept your grace. I accept your gift of life today. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin and you rose again. Lord, begin to make me new and show me the bridge to freedom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let everyone stand this morning. I'm going to read a passage of scripture over you, and this will be, again, part of the theme that we're reading together as we're learning about grace. And this morning sets the foundation for how we're next going to take those other steps of grace. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 says this. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. This morning I want to say to you, because of God's grace in your life, be made new, walk in freedom, and do the things that he's planned for you this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week.